We uh, look to see a number of visitors with us today. I'm so glad that you are here, and this is a, a good day to be with us. We are. Um, last year, we went through a process in our church of really trying to decide um, who our community was, because we want, we were serious, and we were getting even uh, serious, sir. I know that's not right, but we were getting really serious about reaching our community, really serious about it. And so we um, did some research and had some folks help us do some research, and we developed this uh, fictitious couple, and they were called Stockbridge Steve and Stockbridge Stephanie. And what we did was we wanted to know who are the people around us, who are the people that live two miles, three miles, five miles, six mile radius of our church. Here are these people. And so we began again to do some research. We had some marketing people to get involved. And we, re we realized that what we had was we had a, a community that was going through a, a drastic change. It, the folks that had lived here for years and years, wasn't really many of them were moving off. We had this whole new population of people uh, that we're moving in. The average age of the person living within a three to five mile radius of the church is 45 years old. They have a household income of about $70,000. It's a combination of trade school and college educated folks. Um, they drive, this was the big one for us, they drive on the average of 45 minutes one way to work. Everyone, anybody drive that far to work in here today? We understand, don't we? And see, and so that was our community. And so we developed these folks. Said, you know what? Since we know who they are, how do we then begin to start positioning and moving our ministries, both from what we do on Sunday morning to what we do during the week, to begin to reach Stockbridge Steve and Stockbridge Stephanie? Well, the first thing we decided is that we need to develop some core values. We didn't really have any core values. I mean, we have some. They just weren't written down. And so we began to go through this process of developing some core values. You know what core values are, right? Those are those things that um, really tell who you are and, and what you're about and how we're going to live life together and what a ministry is going to look like here in the church. And so we began to develop those, and we came up, the leadership team here at the church and part of the staff, and we came up with seven core values. And we took those to our uh, administrative council. That's our leadership board, the, uh, the leadership board in our church. And we presented those, and unanimously they were voted in as what we were going to call our core values. And so for the next seven weeks, I want to start talking about I want to preach on. Every week we're going to preach on one of those seven core values because I want you to know who you are. If you, if you don't know who you are this morning, I want you to know who you are. Now, the thing about these core values is as you look through them and as you go through them, I believe when we get finished, you're going to say, yeah, that's us. That's who we are because they, we didn't just make them up. We began to look at our congregation and we began to think about what was important to us, what was important to how we live together and how we do ministry. And these core values just came up. And so the first one today that I want to talk about is that very first core value is this. People matter to God, and so they have to matter to us. Don't you think that's one of our core values? People matter to God, and therefore they need to, they must matter to us. If you, you want to follow along with me today, you're welcome to pull out your iPhone or iPad, and if you're one of those Android folks, uh, 
God be with you this morning. Uh, but you can use those and you can pull up our scripture. And we're going to go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. Chapter 15, and I want to read verses 1 through 10, and you can follow along with me on the screen. This is the uh, Common English Bible. Here we go, Luke chapter 15, verse 1. It says, All the tax collectors and the sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and the legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose someone among you had 100 sheep and lost one of them. Wouldn't he leave the other 99 in the pasture and search for the lost one until he finds it? And when he finds it, he is thrilled and he places it on his shoulders. And when he arrives home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Celebrate with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, I love this part. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes both heart and life than over 99 righteous people who have no need to change their hearts and their lives. Or what woman, if she owns 10,000 or 10 silver coins, I wish it was 1,000, maybe she won the lottery, 10 silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, celebrate with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, joy breaks out in the presence of God angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Amen. Better be Jesus calling. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful today, God, that um, all joy breaks out in heaven over when, when one lost person comes to that saving knowledge, the grace of, of God through Jesus, that, the, that there's joy in heaven, that the angels sing. God, help us to know and understand that people matter to God, and so therefore they must matter to us. In Jesus' name, amen. The lady in our, our church a couple of weeks ago, um, she came to me after church and she said, do, do we have a, a lost and found area at the church? She said, I've lost my glasses and I have a really hard time seeing with, without them. And, and I said, you know, we, I thought about it, so, you know, we don't have really a, a lost and found area. I don't even think we have a, a lost and found box for that matter. But generally when something gets lost here in the church, it, it winds up on Diane's, our church administrator's desk. And so you might check with her if we don't find it today. You might check with her tomorrow. I'm sure it'll, it'll show up there. And so we parted ways and she went about her way. And as she left, as she was walking away, I just started thinking about it. The church is really the lost and found area. The whole church. This is the lost and found area. But not just this place, but the second floor and the bottom floor. All of this, the, the parking lot, the, the soccer fields. This whole place is the lost and found area. You, you know, that's what we're about. We're about helping lost people find God. We're about connecting people. You know, that's our vision statement, isn't it? We want to be a bridge to connect people, to help people get from where they are to where God wants them to be. Because, see, we realize something. 
that people aren't truly alive. They're not really who they are. They're, they're certainly not who God created them to be until they are connected in a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, I know that for a fact. Because that would be my own story. And many of yours too. You see, people matter to God. Do y'all know that God is in the people business? Sometimes we think he's in the pew business. Did y'all know that? We think he's in the carpet business. We think he's in a certain kind of music business. We think he's in the this is the way we've always done it business. We oftentimes think he's in the stuff of the church. But I want you to hear something this morning. Those are maybe important things. But God, and just use great Mississippi English, God ain't in the pew business. He's in the people business. The number one goal for us is to recognize that the most important things that happens in here is when people show up. It's when some of you are visiting with us today when you show up. It's when some of you today, and you just kind of wandered in here this morning, and you don't really know why you're here. Let me tell you why you're here. Because God is in the people business. And there's something about, I don't know how you got here this morning. Maybe you're just riding down the road. Maybe you saw the church, whatever it was. And, and something started drawing you into this place. And I can tell you this, that we try really hard. We are far from perfect. Amen. Your preacher is far from perfect, for sure. But we know this, that God is perfect. And he doesn't require us to be perfect before we come to him. We don't have to fix ourselves before we come to church. We don't have to make ourselves right before we walk into this place. We don't have to do any of that kind of stuff because God, in fact, does all that for us. You see, people matter to God. Now, some of you are saying, now, Jody... You've said this before, and you would be right. One sermon a year for the last four years and eight months, every year I say this phrase, people matter to God. And I hope that they matter to you and to me. You know that people matter to God just based on the scripture this morning. Jesus showed that people were important, that they were vitally important to God, so much so that he was willing to go way outside the bounds of the religious establishment and normal church in his day and time to be a little bit provocative and to hang out with all the wrong people. Remember what the scripture said, that Jesus started teaching. And when he opened his mouth and he started teaching, that two groups of people came. You remember who they were? They were the tax collectors and the sinners. Well, there's actually a third group. But this third group, they didn't really so much care of what Jesus was going to say. They were more concerned with, with who Jesus was hanging out with. It was, the, again, the Pharisees and the legal experts. And they looked at Jesus and said, who is this guy? This is not our custom. This is not how we work. This is not how we operate. He welcomes. They grumbled. It said, he said, he welcomes tax collectors and sinners. And he even eats with them. Well, you could kind of understand a little bit about their disdain with the tax collector. You know, and the, and the, the problem with the tax collector in Jesus' day and time is that the tax collector was a, a Jewish person. 
And he was uh, put and positioned in Jewish communities to collect taxes from his own Jewish folks to give to Rome. And while he would collect the taxes for Rome, he got to keep a part of the cut. And so therefore he became the tax collector, became a wealthy man. And in the eyes of the Pharisees and much of the community, they were the lowest of the lowest of the lowest people. And yet Jesus welcomed them. And then there was this other group. They were the sinners. And they called them sinners not necessarily because they did anything wrong or they had committed some sin or something happened. They called them sinners because they were the lowest in the community economically and, and really education-wise. They were just the lowest of the lowest people. They were just the, the laborers of the day. And so the Pharisees, thinking that they were so much better than the lowly sinners because they were so much greater than they were, they look down on them sometimes. Now, it's easy to do that, isn't it? I mean, come on, let's be real. It's easy sometimes to look at the people around us and the people in our communities and the people who um, uh, we work with and we come in contact with, and it's easy sometimes for us to look at people and to look down on people. I mean, think about it. Sometimes their behavior is bad. I mean, sometimes it's, it's understandable. And it's understandable that we look at people and we, we see their bad behavior and their bad attitude and their bad actions. And automatically we can be moved to this place where we can just stand in judgment over folks. It's natural, but it's dangerous. And it's dangerous because the, the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is, in fact, in this scripture that we read, he's pointing out not the sin of the tax collector or the, the sinners, is he? but he's, in fact, pointing out the sin of the church, a sin of self-centeredness and pride and being judgmental. It's normal, understandable even, but dangerous. See, I, I love how Jesus interacted with lost people. Lost. You ever been lost before? Let me tell you, you've been lost before. Some of us, we've been lost geographically, haven't we? You know, men in the room, you don't raise your hand, but you know you're the, one of those. I have a GPS with wave on my phone and the ability to type it in that will get me anywhere I want to go and at the fastest pace and sometimes in my glorious pride I say I know how to get there I don't need that and all it takes is what just one or two wrong turns and all of a sudden guess what lost all the men are smiling at me they know what I'm saying some of us we, we've been lost emotionally or mentally we, we've been in a situation in our life before where we because of a family member or because of a circumstance or because of a decision that we need to make we don't really know what way to go how do we fix this problem how do we fix this person how do we fix this situation how do we fix this circumstance and, and we don't know what decision to make and sometimes when we don't know what to do we just feel lost See, all of us, though, we've been lost spiritually, haven't we? There was a time in all of our lives where, because of sin and separation from God, we were lost 
and we needed to be found. You been there before? See, it's my story. I even grew up in a preacher's house. I never missed church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and if they did something on any other night, I was always there. And I found myself in, in high school and in college lost in need of a Savior. Thank God today that God is in the people business. Now look around at the world, and maybe you do too. You, you notice there's a lot of lost people in the world. There, there are people who they're lost because they've been, they've just been in the same job or the same lifestyle or the whatever. They're just the same old, same old, the routine, the the day, the same thing day in and day out for so long, and and they just feel like they're drifting through life, and they come to this point when when they go, is this what I was supposed to be doing? Because all of a sudden, purpose and meaning is not there for them. And they start going, scratching their heads and wondering. You know what we like to do? We like to just kind of put it under the rug. Sometimes we like to drink that away or whatever it is to make that go away. Because all of us, way down on the inside of us, we want to do something. Even the little somethings. And know that there's some sort of meaning behind it. And when that's not happening, we drift. You know what drifting does? It often causes us to feel lost. Sometimes people are lost because they just, as I look out at the world, and it's because they, they, they don't have a, a community around them. They got some friends and some acquaintances and people that they maybe have some hobbies that are same and they get together and, and that kind of thing kind of happens. But they don't really have this place where they can just kind of pour out their heart and their soul, you know, and be accepted. And there's no community there. And there are people all around us. You know some of them. Some of them may even be you. And you have everything, you have family, and you have uh, folks that are around you, and people you work with, but there's no real deep connection there, and you just feel lost. See, I am so thankful today that God is in the business of seeking out and saving the lost that our God is in the business, that he, just like the scripture said, that he, it's like the good shepherd who leaves the 90 and 9. He leaves, they leaves the 100 rather, and he goes, the 99, because there's that one sheep that's lost, and it's out there, and it's lonely, and it's by itself, and it doesn't have a purpose, and there's fear and concern, and he's willing to leave everything. See, 99 is not good enough for our God. He's got to go get the one. I love that. I love the fact that it's like the, the woman who has uh, ten uh, silver coins and she loses one of them and nine silver coins is not enough. She's got to put everything away and she goes out and she sweeps clean her house and she turns over her furniture. She's got to find that one coin. And isn't that a beautiful picture of who our God is? <laughs> that you aren't enough. There's more that need to know Jesus. Any lost people in here this morning? Any people, you just wondering where your place is and where you're supposed to be? 
and you're trying to find some sense of purpose and meaning in your life, and you're really even kind of scared to think about that because you're afraid that if you go too far down the rabbit hole, you might find yourself all by yourself, and that is, in fact, very scary. I want to say this to you this morning. That your family may run out on you. Your spouse may run out on you. Your friends may leave you behind. The people that you care about the most, the folks you work with, those people, they may turn their back on you. But our God (laughs) is a God who seeks and saves that which was lost. People matter to God. And guess what? They must matter to us. You see, I I love that part of that scripture where it says that all heaven rejoices. And can you imagine that? That heaven would care enough about you or enough about me or other people whom we bring to Christ. Just think about it. Every person that we as a church, that we reach out to and we bring them to Christ, that they have a party in heaven because one person gave their life to Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Of our God? See, I think our God gets excited when lost things are found. I know I do. I lost my wedding ring. I don't know if y'all remember a few months ago, I actually used it as a sermon illustration about how I had lost my wedding ring. All the time that I've been the pastor at Stockbridge First, I haven't had a wedding ring. And I I was kind of getting worried about it. I needed to find it. I wanted it. Shelly put a lot of effort and thought into getting it for me. And so I went through everything I had for months and months and months. We kept thinking, it's just going to turn up. Well, it didn't. And so I traced my time back. And I traced it back to this time about five and a half, six years ago, probably more five and a half, when I was trout fishing up on a stream in North Georgia, and I was pulling out this really big trout, like about 10 pounds, and the water was cold, and it wasn't that big. But I was pulling it out, and the ring came off my finger, and I traced it back to that moment. I just decided it's gone forever, hopeless. Forget about it. And I have this habit, if you know me, I have this habit of losing stuff all the time. And if I don't put it in its right place, or if I don't put my keys at a certain place in our house, I will lose them all the time. I'm constantly calling Shelly. I I lost something. Lost my keys. Lost my car. Lost my, where's my wallet? I just don't, if it's not there, I lose it. And that's what I'd done. I'd lost something. And so I had gone through my favorite briefcase, the one that you see me with all the time. And I was looking for something, and and I couldn't find it. And I'd pulled everything out of it. And I said, I know it's got to be in here. And I picked up the briefcase, turned it upside down, and I just began to shake it like this. And lo and behold, I heard this ting, ting, ting. And I looked down, and there was my wedding ring. And the good thing about it was, I told Shelly, I said, at least it's been with me the whole time. <laughs> it's, you know, it's been there with me. And I picked it up, and I, I went to Jennings and Carson, even Roberts. I said, I got my ring. I found my ring. I mean, it was in my bag the whole time, and I turned it over, and it fell out, and there was my ring. We don't have to buy another ring. Then I go, and I, I show Shelly, I got my ring. Look, I got my ring. Everybody's yawning and looking at me like it's not a really big deal, but it was a huge deal to me. Called up my dad on the phone. You'll never believe what happened. I found my ring. 
You ever lost something? And when you find it, it just makes you excited to know that you found it. Because it, it was, you, I, we could buy a new one, but it wouldn't be the same. Did you hear that this morning? That God's not looking for the substitute you. He just wants you. He don't want a new part. He don't want a carbon copy. He don't want a something, but he don't want it new. He wants you. Would you be willing today? You see, because I believe, and just let me step on our toes for one minute. I'm, I'm afraid that in the church oftentimes that there's a lot of unsaved folks sitting in the pews. Lost. And we as a church need to be about the business of finding lost people. How do we do that? How do we make, um, if people matter to God, how can we make them matter to us you know what we got to do we got to constantly be seeking people isn't that what they did what they did they, they left in 99 they went out to find some folks they were seeking people see we need to be about the business of seeking people remember what i said in the beginning sometimes in the methodist church i can't speak for other denominations but sometimes in the methodist church we focus more on the traditions and that we always used to do it and the carpet and the pews and all of that stuff and i'm 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 getting to that age i'm not there yet but i'm claiming it that i'm too old to worry about that stuff anymore <laughs> there's the world is lost 65% of our community in Henry County does not attend church, and we're concerned about the pews. When God's in the people, business. You hear me this morning? We need to be seeking that the motivation for everything that we do as a church, our outreach, our worship times, everything that we need to do needs to be about seeking and reaching people. So I thought about this. I was thinking about a story when I was a senior in high school. Y'all remember the story uh, about Jessica McClure, the, the one-year-old little girl? who in Middleton, Texas, she was crawling on the ground and she fell into an abandoned well. Y'all remember that? Fell 22 feet on a three-foot wide ledge, a one-year-old. And she was stuck there in the dark, cold well. And the only voices they could hear were her calling out for her mother. Imagine how bad that would have been. For two and a half days, she was there in that place, on that ledge, lost, in the well, no way to get out, stuck. And FedEx even, remember, they uh, sent a new drill, a new drill bit down there to help them drill this little girl out. And I remember it was a Friday night, and our whole family was sitting, was around the television, and we were watching as they rescued her, and they pulled this little girl out. She was saved. She was safe. She was back with her people. And if you weren't crying, then there's something wrong with your heart. It was that emotional moment. Here's why I tell that story. is as a church, we've got to revive that sense of search and rescue. 
that we need to see people in the world and we need to be able to connect with people in the world and we need to look for those people around us who are hurting and they're lost and we need to put our lives into their lives and understand their story because see that's the church is it not it's unfortunate though sometimes the church is more judgmental sometimes the church is more finger pointing than they are about caring for people you know what else we got to do we need to do some sweeping we need to do some cleaning out Jennings has been sick this week and so her mother took off the, the week. And if you know Shelly very much, you know that she cannot sit still. She's got to be doing something. And so for three days, she moved furniture and cleaned and vacuumed and mopped every crook and cranny of our house. She even started throwing uh, clothes away and toys away. And she even threw some of my stuff away. And she, I, she called me. I went home, I said, where's my stuff? I didn't want to get rid of that stuff. I like that stuff. Why did my stuff have to go? And I, she said, well, I called you to ask you. I said, you let the phone ring one time. <laughs> but it's gone. See, we need to do some sweeping. We need to continually clean out some of the old stuff. Make room for some new stuff. We need to change how we look at things and how we do things so that we can reach that 65% of people in our community. See, people matter to God, and therefore they must matter to us. And there's one other thing. The seeking and the sweeping doesn't matter if we don't love. Isn't that the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. About a year ago, a little over a year now, I was uh, just met someone at the annex. We call the annex the Starbucks. And I just met someone there that morning before I was coming uh, to the office. And um, I was, I, we'd pushed the time pretty close. And so I had about five minutes to get to the church before my next appointment. And... Um, I, re we, I came, you know, I cut across Starbucks, Rock Quarry, Ty Street, and down to 138. And when I got to 138, there was a guy in front of me, and his car was broken down. And so he's outside his car, and he's on his phone, he starts shaking his phone. And you could tell he's having a bad day, but I really wasn't worried about his bad day. I was more worried about my day. And I needed to get somewhere. And so I kind of looked at him, and in my mind, you know, you ever done this? I was like, well, man, come on your car out of my way I've got to get to work you know I got to I'm about my business you know and I wasn't thinking about him and I, I pulled on around him and got out in that center lane and started coming to the church and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and this I know it was the Lord because nobody would say this this to themselves and this is the voice I heard I said wouldn't it be great if a pastor in the community was riding by to help him You know what I did, right? I pulled over into that title pawn place right down the road. I got out of my car, and I went over to help the guy. And I'm in my good shoes and my good slacks and all my stuff, you know. And here I am. I'm pushing, helping this guy push his car. And as I pushed his car, I took my focus off me, and I began to look at him. 
And what happened was I began to see in him that he was really having, it wasn't just a bad day. It was like a bad week, maybe even a bad month. And uh, we got his car out of the way, and he said, man, thank you very much. And I said, is there anything else I can do? And I tried to talk to him, and he didn't want to really have anything to do with me. He just kind of cut it off. And I remember I turned around, and I started walking back to my pickup. And I got there, and the Lord spoke to me again and said, it's not finished yet. So I went back, and I said, man, look, I just, I, let, me, let me help you. And he said, I, I'm good. I said, I said, look, and I'm a preacher up there, and I said it was a yellow church, and people tell me our church in yellow. I'm colorblind, so it doesn't really matter to me. But that's that church up there on the hill. I, I'm the pastor there. And one of the things I know is when I see somebody like where we are today, I know there's something going on. You waiting on a ride? Let's talk. He began to share with me what was happening and going on in his life. And man, I, I tell you, I felt like a, can't say that in church, um, I felt like a jerk. Because I was so encapsulated in me that I couldn't see what was going on in somebody else. And he wasn't just having a bad day. He was, in fact, having a bad week and a bad month. And you could even argue it was a bad year. So I said to him, come on, let's go. We'll just get in the car with me. We'll be right back. We came up to the church, walked in, and it wasn't Jennifer at the time. It was our financial secretary before her. And I said, I need a check for $200 out of our Helping Hands fund. And I turned around and uh, walked out, and I get, we got in the car, and I gave it to the guy. And he didn't want to take it. And I'm like, man, you're taking that money. It is yours. To the people in our church, every first Sunday of every month, we collect money so that we can do these very things. And then this guy teared up. He's probably 6'3", 245, tearing up in my truck. Because what he really needed in that moment was to know that there was a God in heaven who cares about people who are lost and struggling and find them finds themselves in a bad place and that God cares enough about them to speak to chastise a preacher on the way to work to get him to turn around to focus on what is important so here's my challenge for you today all of us today my challenge for you is, is we have people in our lives. There's people in our offices. There's people at school. Family members. We have people in our lives who we don't really like to be around very much. Bad behavior, bad attitude, whatever it is, or just that they drive us crazy, whatever it is. But I want to challenge you to love big this week and what I mean by that is I, I don't want it none of this um, um, acts of kindness stuff where you put five dollar bill on somebody's windshield or you buy them a coffee because they're behind you in the line those are all great things and I'm glad that you do it but my challenge for you today is to get to know and to reach out to those prickly people in our lives. You know those kind of people that are prickly, you just have a hard time kind of hugging them. Because most of the time when you hug them or you try to engage them, they stick you, don't they? 
they say something wrong, they do something bad. But here's what I want with the love of Jesus and let God do something through you that you can't do yourself. People matter to God, and therefore they must matter to us. Amen? Let us pray. God, we are thankful today, Lord, that you call us, God, to participate in the lives of people. That's what the church does. We're, we're not called to just constantly tell people, come to church, come to church, come to church. What you're really calling us to do is to leave the church and go out into the world and interact with people and show love to people and that some of what we have in us that doesn't come from us, that comes from you, may touch them. That's what the church is all about. Help us, God, to know how much you love lost people. To remember that some of us in here are still lost. And some of us have been lost before, so we understand what it feels like. And so, God, help us to be a part of a, a great search and rescue mission that goes out into this community to love people. Lord, we thank you that you empower us to be who you call us to be. We give you thanks today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.